listening to the Kaiju Apostle Podcast, a Godzilla podcast for hardcore and casual fans alike, and everyone else in between. this well i guess it's evening now that we're recording uh this is david uh co-host of the kaiju apostle podcast and joining me as always is the fabulous chris Hornskirch. how you doing chris oh i love how you're gonna keep changing these adjectives on me oh yeah just wait till next week <laughs> yeah i hope by week 35 <laughs> or whatever you still have some new ones to give me Oh, yeah. Trust me. I've got a thesaurus of great ideas. <laughs> I and here we go. Like, oh. <laughs> I had to. We've just discovered um, sound effects tonight. But I think we promised to behave. I yeah, think. I will. I absolutely will. Here, <laughs> what I'm going to do is... I have now narrowed my window where I cannot easily access the drum button. So we'll be good. If you hear him silent for too long, he's looking for the drums. Yeah, I will. I will find them. Anyway, <laughs> um, thank you for listening. Uh, chances are this is the second podcast you've listened to, which I did not come up with a title for tonight's episode uh, being episode two because Attack of the Clones is probably my least favorite prequel film, so I wasn't really inspired to come up with anything. Um, you could do, like, the clones raid again. Yeah. Yeah, that works. I mean, clones and again, there's kind of a thematic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's better than anything I would have come up with. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. I mean, it's uh, it's been really encouraging to get the feedback that I've gotten so far um, from a lot of y'all. Uh, I actually said y'all. Um, just regarding this this idea, I mean, like we talked about last week, I, I've been trying to do this as a blog for almost a year now off and on, and I've already gotten better feedback and uh, engagement from people in a podcast form compared to, uh, you know, what I did as a blog. So that, that's been encouraging. Um, we didn't turn off a lot of people with the uh, theology and religion talk, so that's cool. Um, we'll definitely make sure to, you know, turn it up this week. <laughs> but no, I mean it, it's been it's been awesome. Um, so I really appreciate you guys listening. It's uh, it's been a labor of love on my end, um, and I would say it's probably a labor of love for Chris, just because this is uh, out of your wheelhouse entirely. But I appreciate you being a good friend and a good sport. Yeah, so if you follow me on Twitter at Chris Worms, I kind of made a comment about that. So the jury's still out on whether, well, the verdict. I am the jury, and I am here. The verdict's still out on how I feel, because I feel like there's not really been too many movies where I've felt so differently about the first two. <laughs> Sorry, I was taking a drink. Yeah, it's... Okay, so let's just dive in. Yeah, we're just we're just gonna jump right in. Um, what like what did you 
Because I agree with you, but why? Yeah, so I think pretty much... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Synopsis. Synopsis. Yeah. Yeah. So for all y'all who haven't seen this movie, um, a few months ago I would have said you're not missing out. But anyway, uh, so picking up from the last film, uh, one of the, the cliffhangers was that you know, if humanity doesn't learn from their mistakes, there'll be another Godzilla. Well, hey, guess what? There's another Godzilla. And now we have this uh, irradiated ankylosaur called Angerus that they start fighting. They fall into the water. They're like, oh, well, crap. Godzilla's back and they pull out this really crappy dinosaur book that's like clearly, yeah, it's just a horrible plot device. <laughs> um, but anyway... They they try to keep Godzilla away from I don't remember what part of uh, Japan it was I don't have my notes in front of me on that but anyway it just ends up they fight in the city cause a lot of destruction and then they eventually trap Godzilla in a bunch of ice uh, yeah I mean it's it's really a weird plot and that's a horrible synopsis because there isn't a good one on Google for me to find but yeah I mean going from Gojira to Godzilla raids again yeah it's it's a complete tonal shift. Yeah, and I, it, it kind of cracks me up because, at least with the first one, we had the human element of the villagers on the island who were like, oh, shoot, Godzilla is really bad. Like, he keeps eating our fish, and now we have to sacrifice our daughters. And now, like, the worst thing that he's doing is eating tuna? I don't know. And then they, like, wind up on the island to find them fighting kind of each other the human element has already been removed from that for the most part. And I think that was kind of a strange, that was already a strange shift for me. Yeah, it's, you're right. It's obviously with the first film, you definitely feel like there's more, there, there's a sense of responsibility where Godzilla was yeah. their fault, right? Or not necessarily their fault, but humanity's fault. And this time around, it's just kind of like, oh, wait, here's a couple monsters. And now we're caught in the crosshairs of their fight. Right. And in in a sense, it is still humanity's fault that Godzilla Jr. exists. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, we're not talking about the son of Godzilla. No, no, that's that's years down the road. But yeah, it's (sighs) it's it's different, though. You're right. And. I mean, we we talked about it last week. I think this is where you really see the difference between having a different director. I mean, like, mm-hmm. yeah, so obviously it's a tonal shift for you. I mean, what was kind of your, I don't know, your ultimate verdict. But yeah, just tell me more about <laughs> I can't imagine watching this for the first time being in your 20s, right? I grew up on this film. I was probably three when I saw it. So for you to see it yeah. for the first time, it just, it blows my mind. I want to, I want to just rip your brain out and just put it in a HDMI cable or something. Yeah. Um, that would actually be distressing for all involved. Mm-hmm. So I'm in complete agreement. I think the thing that really kind of, kind of what I was trying to say, and I think you helped clarify my thought on it was that it was just a little too, like the stakes might've been, the stakes were high eventually, but I kind of got this feeling that the two were just going to kind of duke it out on that that volcano island by themselves until one of them died. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like, had they not gone out there, 
they wouldn't have figured they wouldn't have known that this was happening and it would have been completely an avoidable problem and that's yeah. probably not a great read but it just seems like it seems like a shark week movie more than it does a movie about nuclear warfare and the sins of humanity yeah yeah i and, mean you're you're not wrong i mean obviously they they probably would have made it ashore eventually but yeah mm-hmm. it's just kind of like this was all happening and no one knew whereas in gojira you still had the the odo island you know like they they were dealing with godzilla regularly right you know like that's what you're talking about is having to make the sacrifices and all that like they that was part of who they were it was part of their identity whereas this time around yeah i mean if they would have flown over the island it 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 feels even more like a plot device than it did the first time around yeah it just the hard part about this one in comparison to the first one is yeah yeah i mean i think that's a perfect way to put it we needed a second godzilla movie and Mm -hmm. maybe part of the reason the stakes felt so low is like i was i'm not wrong in thinking this is like this is actually just another godzilla apparently there's like a godzilla species yeah it's yeah and so this this ends up being the godzilla at least for the showa era this ends up being the same godzilla for the next like 13 films okay so but essentially there was this first godzilla who was oxygen who had the oxygen destroyer used on him and now Mm. he's gone yep and then this is a second godzilla who's identical in every way except being dead correct yeah something about that it seems like um yeah it i would have probably liked a little bit more to say like okay so what made the first godzilla unique or are all of these lizards just going to be giant now there's always going to be another godzilla when we need a sequel yeah well and that's that's to me i'm like what are the odds that this nuclear testing would have created the same result. Right. So it's the fact that you drop a bomb and the first one ends up, you know, with radioactive breath. Right. Mm -hmm. And then apparently it did the same thing for the second one, but this one's just incredibly uglier. I mean, this be honest, the suit is horrible. It's absolutely horrible, especially the puppet parts. Like, I don't know. Did you notice that when it's up close, it's actually just hand puppets. Yeah, and I kind of looked into that. I cheated a little with the behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, because I was just truly, I was like seriously, like I was so confused. Like with Power Rangers, you know, when they do Japanese and English footage in the same episode, mm-hmm. and they just kind of hand wave it away, pretend this is the same thing. I was kind of curious again, and apparently, no one was very happy with the design up until the point where they lost the the want the costume that was shipped from Japan and i'm like the one thing you really had to protect to make sure you had in hand you lost it how did how the hell right. did you lose that yeah sorry all children who are listening yeah that's fine we talked about weed last week <laughs> yeah. um yeah we got to make sure we earn our uh, pg13 rating yeah we get one extreme expletive <laughs> But, but yeah, it's just like, for me, you're right. Like, it's just the significance of Godzilla this time around doesn't feel nearly as profound. And to be honest, you don't, 
some of the next films will touch on that more. But okay. I think that I think that gets really into the heart for me personally. Um, and I don't want to bias you at all. I really don't. But this is the reason why I prefer this era of films compared to some of the later ones. Because with Ishiro Honda, I mean, again, like we talked about last week, like his his service in the military, his pacifism, his I mean, his movies are largely ethical in nature. And then you have a film like this that came out, you know, let's see. So the original Godzilla came out in November of 1954, I believe. I'm pulling that up right now. And then this one came out on April 24th of 1955, right? So right there in itself, you're just looking at such a rushed production. And yeah, November 1954. Um, So the amount of time between each film, I mean, you're looking at about five months, right? So the the quality shows, it does, which... Not that you can't make a good film in that amount of time, especially in the 50s and 60s. It was possible. But, I mean, there's no way around it. The movie is a cash grab. I mean, mm-hmm. when you can't get the original director involved because he's out doing another film, he was uh, directing a movie called Love Makeup, um, which I really want to find a way to watch this. I'm sure there's some illegal way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, I mean, it actually he's looks... joking if the NSA is listening. No, no I'm totally not. Please, please... <laughs> arrest me um no but like he he was he wasn't available right so they just I, i'm assuming they just rushed and they found someone else who would who would direct and it's it's pretty obvious that it's just not a it's just not the same and it's not that I mean, I'm looking here, you know, so over his entire career, uh, Motoyoshi Oda directed 50 movies, not to mention his work as a system director, blah, blah, blah. So like, you know, it's he seems like from what I'm seeing is he was a guy where it's like, hey, we need a movie done in this amount of time. We can trust you to do it. And that's Mm -hmm. what he did. And to me, that's that's not worth it. Right. Because this is truly this film like. There's some good stuff and I'm excited to get into that, but it just feels so much different in spirit than the first one did. And as we watch the others, it feels different there as well. I just, this is definitely one of those things where, and obviously you've got screenplays involved too. It's not just the director, but I mean, it's, this is the introduction of the whole, the kaiju fights, right? Mm-hmm. But I would say this is one of the worst examples of it. You know, like the fights themselves are boring. The editing is so bad. Like whenever I, I don't know if it's like the whole when everything's all sped up. I mean, I don't know what they did there, but, you know, it's uh, yeah, I guess is they, they slowed down the footage and then I can't remember exactly how it played out. It just does not look good at the end. Oh, here we go. So some of the effects footage was shot at a slower speed, 18 frames per second. Three cameras were set to capture the effects footage. Two cameras were set at high speed, while the third was indirectly left at slow speed. But despite the error, they felt that the slow speed footage was usable and since then used different camera speeds for different scenes. So, yeah, it just seems like it was a mistake. Yeah. Your budget, you can't really afford to do it again. Right. Shoot. But... Yeah, I get, I, I get that it was rushed, and there's part of me that says, 
Um, but yeah, the first movie had all the deep symbolism and the philosophy behind it. But mm-hmm. I guess when it's number two, I'm not going to judge you too harshly if your second movie is kind of a cash grab because, like, there's no way they know they knew directing the second movie that it's going to be like a 70 year franchise. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe they would have treated it with a little more respect if this was movie 24. And I know some of you are like, well, movie 24 was King Ghidorah's big dump. And I'm like, okay, sorry. But. I don't know. It's like thinking about like with Star Wars, with the original sequel, you know, and it was the Splinter of the Mind's Eye and Han was out. It was all foggy. So they didn't have to create sets like when you don't know what you have on your hand. I can't blame you for not doing right by it right away. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I probably would have said, well, did you see the first one? Did you notice there's like symbolism and stuff in it? And if you said, well, yeah, but who cares? Then I'd be like, oh boy, maybe this is a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, it really, and this is where I'm referencing my previous blog a little bit, like, there is definitely some meaning in the film, mm-hmm. right? Like, the, I think when I watched it the first time last year after not watching it for decades, um, you know, there's there's definitely something to be said about there there's humor right mm-hmm. but overall it's like there's there's a sense of hopelessness right so i'm gonna i'm gonna quote myself here um you know it's like yeah godzilla's eventually defeated but he's not killed you know this time around there's no dr sarazawa to save the day you know anger is a monster almost destructive as godzilla can only be defeated by godzilla right, right? and the answer to defeating godzilla it's only discovered by Kobay- uh, kobayashi's death his plane careening into an icy mountain. But even that, that solution's temporary. Right. So you see someone like Dr. Yamani, he's already lived through this. He's having to live through it again. I mean, just, I can't imagine, you know, the, the flashbacks he's having. Right. I mean, that's clearly like, if we had more time with him, we'd probably get some like PTSD moments. Well, I don't know if PTSD was actually diagnosed back then, but like, yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely, you know, this whole sense of, yeah, it's just, you, you can't, people are trying to cope with what's happened, even if they were at a distance, like they knew what had happened before. And now people are trying to like wrap their heads around the fact that this could be happening to them again. Right. So, you know, in world war two, kind of what we talked about last week, uh, well, last episode, you know, yes, like we know, no more bombs were dropped, but they didn't know that. Right. For all the, for all they knew, it could have happened again any day. Right. Just because they signed a treaty doesn't mean that they could have gone against it. So it's like this, just this fear looming just in the back of your head. So like, yeah, there's some humor in this film and I love that. I love like, that's the thing I like about this film. And I like that that continues throughout the films because it's, it's, it's a good humor. It's mature humor, Mm -hmm. but there's still that sense of hopelessness in the film. That's true. And I guess part of it too, well, and I'm going to kind of allude to something to revisit in a minute, but I think there's a, there's a part of the film where we're seeing the law of diminishing returns kick in where you're absolutely right. Like this is a second Godzilla and now we're in a worse spot because Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that the plane crash is a self-sacrifice, but it is a human death which leads to the somewhat 
abatement of Godzilla, <laughs> which is similar to the end of the first, but the human death in that one was sacrificial so the oxygen destroyer doesn't come back to life. And yep. This human death does not prevent the future mountains or avalanches. No, it's it's very temporary, which, I mean, that's the thing, is even if there aren't later films, there's no indication that like Godzilla's actually dead. He's defeated, but he's not dead. Just cold. Yes, very cold. Yeah, it's hard for me to think that if... I'm in the if I'm in one of those planes and I know that he just roasted the other guy with his fire breath, as far as I know, mm-hmm. you know. I wouldn't I would be like, Well, I think the snow might hold him for twenty minutes. Yeah. Until he atomic <laughs> breaths himself out. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I've been wondering. I thought about that too. I'm like, how how did this stop him? <laughs> and I mean, not only that, but like the next film we see him in is in 1962 so like how did this keep him in there for seven years right he's um a cold-blooded lizard and he's very very thin-skinned so the i guess he just froze yeah or he's like what's being cold like even though he lives underwater where it's probably very cold but I think, you know, that's even part of how far you're right. Like, you know, they I don't think they had in mind like, hey, this is going to be a 65 year franchise, you know, so there wasn't really any planning with that. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it did take a while to pick back up on these films. Like you had some other kaiju films as we're going to go through. But yeah, it was just kind of like, OK, well, story's over. I don't think they really thought much about or maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. It's just it's hard for me to think that they did think much in advance, you know, for the future for what, what could happen. So then of course, when he does come back, they have to, they have to pick up where the last person left off. Right. Right. So, um, how did you feel about the, uh, the acting and the music though? Cause that's actually what I really want to talk about. Yeah. For having a director who seemed to want to just throw it together or it was under direction to like, it still seems like, yeah, the acting I still thought was pretty fine. Like, I was still like, this is better than a lot of current stuff that's just thrown together. Yep. It's still, I'll, I'll give that the humans still gave it a lot of weight. Yeah. And so this is where, like, watching Kurosawa films has actually made me like this movie a lot more. Mm. Which... I mean, that's just part of growing up and maturing, I think. But yeah. so the composer for this film, uh, Masaru Sato, that's I can't remember his name last week. So he was one of Kurosawa's main composers, um, which to be fair, and I haven't done research on this myself. Apparently, the score he did this time around is one of his least favorites. But there's some good earworms in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like for me, I feel like Godzilla Raids Again is an attempt to try to make a Kurosawa Godzilla film, um, just in the way some of the things are shot. Um, so one of the the main actors, um, I'm going to pull this up really quick. Uh, so Minoru Chiaki. Um, so he ended up being uh, Kobayashi in the film. Okay. And he's the one that, you know, is uh, very, very humorous. 
Um, but he is in numerous Kurosawa films. So yeah, Rashomon, Seven Samurai, Hidden Fortress, and Throne of Blood. I think there's even more than that. But that right there, I've seen all those films. And so like now that I've seen those films and I come back, I'm like, oh man, like he is definitely, he plays a, a very, I don't know, just, he was very humorous and I, I can appreciate that mm-hmm. a lot, but it was a good sense of humor. Like it's not so like Chris Farley slapstick kind of like a comedy. Like it's, it's a well-refined comedy, yeah. you know? So just between that and obviously they brought back uh, Takashi Shimura who played Dr. Yamani. Um, but it's funny because he only shows up for a couple minutes, which is actually, you know, I've seen a few Kurosawa films where that's the case where he only shows up for a couple minutes. Now, Ikiru, he's the main actor, but like um, Hidden Fortress and uh, Rashomon. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rashomon is not necessarily the main actor. And there's a couple other films where he'll just show up. So like, to me, that was almost like a nod to Kurosawa as well. Like, hey, we're going to bring him back, but not have him like be as prominent. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we also see Hiroshi uh, uh, Koizumi, and he ends up becoming pivotal to the Godzilla franchise. So as we continue to watch these films, um, you're going to notice that, you know, he just, I, I, I don't even know how many Godzilla films he's in. He ends up like kind of playing different characters, but then not playing different characters. It's, it's really confusing. So he was the, the main, the main pilot, but yeah, it's just like the acting itself for being kind of a nonsensical plot. The acting's, just fine and that's again watching kurosawa more i i can come back and be like okay i can actually appreciate this i think there's definitely something to that though because uh, at some at some points you can have and i i really don't i hate i hate the phrase because i think it's used so like just just say it it, it, it's marvel humor it's not an offensive phrase but oh, okay. it's Marvel humor online means any humor that's not funny. Um, and so it's not, it's not like quippy humor. It's still kind of smart humor. And unlike a lot of cartoons, or I can think of like Phantom Menace, the, the comic relief is actually kind of necessary because there is still a lot of tension in the film. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of like, like for me, I'm like I have no idea how in the world they're gonna kill this guy, unless the other yeah. unless, um, Angiris wins, and I'm like, oh, that's not gonna happen. So there's still a lot of tension, so that the comic relief is like necessary. But you're absolutely right; it's not slapstick. Did you ever watch Person of Interest? Huh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the humor in that show is the same way to me, where the humor is necessary because of how dark the show can be, and there's even sometimes where like it's funny but you don't laugh Mm -hmm. right like you can appreciate like it's it kind of brings some levity to the situation so yeah so like i said i mean for me coming back to the film after i don't know almost a year i can definitely appreciate a lot more Mm -hmm. just because of my exposure to kurosawa now yeah i think yeah one thing though that i didn't totally appreciate and there's one thing if you want to say that the second movie changed the theme of the first, or if you want to say it didn't feel like the first, there's there's mm-hmm. a lot of times where it's okay to question the main theme of a series, 
like, I think we've talked about this before in a personal conversation, but when James Bond movies, or James Bond books were written, it was like a male fantasy. What if I had cool cars, hot women, and Mm -hmm. awesome gadgets? And now with James Bond 25 allegedly having a female Bond, like, does the James Bond franchise have the capacity to stand that kind of investigation of its own themes? Who knows? Who's to say? Not me. I've seen two of them. But the thing that kind of bugged me about Godzilla Raids again is the view on the military changed fairly significantly. And knowing Mm -hmm. that the director of the first was a pacifist, it was kind of a disappointment to see how much this movie relied on the military. And yeah, I mean, I don't know, it's tough because no, they didn't secure a very good win for them. They buried Godzilla, but we know he's coming back. Mm-hmm. But they still were kind of the victors in the end. And that feels like it already moves against the themes and the ideas presented by the first one, where they just get their butts handed to them. Yeah. Which, and that's what's crazy about the other films, is like the military obviously is brought out as like a defense, mm-hmm. right? You know, and even a pacifist could argue that there's still a a place for defending, not necessarily attacking, but that's another conversation in itself. Right. But yeah, I mean, other films down the road, it definitely there. Yeah, it's you're, you're right. It it definitely, you can tell again that someone was someone different was at the helm. Just the whole, like almost the, the ethics behind, how they problem solved right it was just entirely different um whereas you know with uh with gojira there is a definitely a a lot more deliberation a lot more discussion about what to do this time around it's just me like okay well what do we need to do to kill godzilla right you know and i mean maybe it's just because they're like well this has already happened once before we know what he's capable of let's stop it right mm-hmm. and i can i can sympathize with that but then it's also just kind of like yeah, there wasn't nearly as much like there wasn't an ethical dilemma this time around, you know, which yeah. not saying it has to be the same thing, but yeah, it's just, it, it definitely, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, it contrasts quite a bit compared to the first and, and that's what's so crazy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I, I think there, I don't want to say that it went too far because mm-hmm. To be fair, there were. I mean, they did try and lure him away from the shore. Yeah. And the fact that it was that explosion from the the prisoners that lured him back, like, there's still this idea that human sin brings Godzilla to the shore. Mm hmm. Even if, like, their biggest sin was making a bright light. Like, they were. It seemed like they were going to be successful luring him away from shore until the prisoners try to escape. I know, which, and even in that situation, our main, our protagonists were slightly responsible for that too. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that, like, you know, what would have happened if the thieves didn't break out? What would have happened if they weren't chased? Right. right. Like there's all these things happening behind the scene that ultimately result in this. Um, yeah, no, I, I, you're right. It's not just an immediate, like, let's blow Godzilla up. I, I spoke incorrectly there, but there, yeah, it's just this overall reliance in the military is what I was getting at. Yeah, well, 
that's still there, but I think I think in it's still somewhat it still has some fidelity to the idea that it's really human it's human hubris that gets Godzilla to your shore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they relied on the military, but they almost were successful in keeping him out until they chased and then the explosion. So I don't all I want to say is like I'm not here to poop on the movie. I'm not here to say that it completely abandoned the ideals of the first. It just had some disappointing shifts. Yeah. Which, you know, to be transparent, this is probably within the fandom one of the least favorite films. Sure. Um which I think part of that has to do with the fact that it's older and majority of the fan base nowadays. I mean, um, it's all about, no, I wouldn't say it's all about, but a large majority of fans, which, you know, I've, I've changed my tune here. I think if you want to watch the films for the monster fights and all that, that's completely your prerogative. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the most popular films are probably the Heisei era. So that's like from 84 to 94, 95. Um, so that's when you have the cool designs and all that stuff, which I guess cool is relative too. But mm-hmm. this is definitely one of the least favorite films because the design for Godzilla is completely atrocious. Even Jasper, you know, so <laughs> as we've been going through these films, I've been watching them with him again. And Jasper goes, he is looking so weird. <laughs> it, apparently it's just because Godzilla looked mad, but still like the timing was hilarious because as he said that I was typing in my notes, this suit is so ugly. <laughs> and so then when he said that, I'm like, that's perfect timing. Um, I even typed that again later. I'm like, this suit's so ugly. But so, yeah, this is definitely one of the least favorite films within the fandom, mm-hmm. which is funny to me because you're saying all this stuff. Like, I hope I'm not like pooping on a movie, which you shouldn't be doing anyway. But I don't think you're going to offend I a lot of people by saying what you no. say. What's that? Nothing. Ignore me. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll edit that one out. I could no, don't. I could see how it's. I could see how it's like universally panned, but on one hand, they. It, I don't know. Having no concept of what's coming later, except for Godzilla fourteen, it seems to me like thirty five movies is enough for them to say, "Here's a deep philosophical Godzilla, and here he is punching the crap out of a woolly mammoth." Like. Mm-hmm. I could I could see why there should be room for both. Yeah. And maybe maybe this is where we stay for the rest of uh, our discussion part because this this changes the tone for the rest of the films. Mm-hmm. Like from here on out, the majority of the films has Godzilla fighting another monster. So for better or for worse, this is what the films have become. But you know, on the one hand, I I agree with you, but I feel like what ends up happening is you kind of have the same issues that you do in the Jurassic Park Mm. franchise where the first film is not only just shot beautifully and scored beautifully and wonderful acting and it has a great message. And then the rest of the films is just dinosaur porn. Right. You know, like they're a lot lost world serviceable, but overall, I mean, you know, Jurassic Park three, you have lost world, I mean, not Lost World, uh, Jurassic World, and then Fallen Kingdom, which I actually thought Fallen Kingdom has a lot of potential. I just feel like it had to play nicely with the first film. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, with Last Jedi, but that's another conversation. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it went from like this, you know, the 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 Michael Cryan books had a lot to say, 
the first film had a lot to say, but then it was all about, okay, well, what's marketable? The dinosaurs, right? The action. And that's, you, you lose, I think, some of what made that original film so powerful. So, like, yes, I think you can have both. And we're going to see in these films that you do have both, and they work so well. But then once we get away from Ishiro Honda, I feel like you you have films that don't know how to balance the two. And that's what's so unfortunate yeah. to me is you should be able to have both. So when, when I see people who are like, oh, it's never been about the humans, the human plot lines suck, like no one watches Godzilla films for the, the humans and all this stuff, I'm like, whoa, wait, 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 what? Like even as a kid, like, I mean, yeah, I like the monster fights, but like, I still like the human side too, even if I didn't fully comprehend what was going on. I mean, like King Kong versus Godzilla would not even the American version, which I hate now. I loved it as a kid because of the humans. It was so funny. It was, it was an engaging film, Mm -hmm. right? Monster fights were cool, but like if the humans weren't there, you wouldn't really have a film. You wouldn't. So yeah, it's gotta be a healthy balance of the two. Yeah, and I think there's something that, and I'm, I'm like, this thought is now newly percolating in my mind. So hopefully you can mm-hmm. make it a little more intelligent. But um, there's something to be said that in the first movie, when it's human versus Godzilla, the only way to defeat Godzilla is through like a, a moral atrocity that is absolutely murking the thing with the oxygen destroyer. But mm-hmm. As as we go on and as we see, like, th- something that kind of shocked me from this movie was that, like, not only is Godzilla, like, a like an actual, just an animal, like, there's apparently, like, this Godzilla species, like, and Gyrus is also, like, just a species, just made huge now, right? Like, well, that's what I didn't understand is the, the scientists, I, I'm going to do air quotes uh-huh. on that tried to say that like the the ang it's his natural size was this big as if he was always you know had oh. some form of radiation then but that's what didn't make sense i'm like uh what you wouldn't we have seen this before yeah it, that's kind of where i was yeah yeah but yeah but so i guess but still so i guess what i'm trying to say is like as we get into kaiju fights as we get into mm-hmm. i think from what I've heard of Scuttlebutt, like I guess sometimes humanity teams up with Godzilla, and sometimes he's still the bad guy of sorts, depending on how you look at it. Like we're moving away from human hubris and human atrocities to end this issue, and it's kind of like almost in a weird way going back to nature to deal with our kaiju problems. In terms of like, well, we really screwed Godzilla, like. He used to be a tiny little lizard, and now he breathes atomic fire. But I'd rather trust him than use another atomic bomb to destroy Mothra. Or, yeah, even though I'm not really sure why he doesn't just fly into the sun being a giant moth. But that's for that movie. Yeah, which, to be honest, Mothra is actually probably one of my favorite films of this entire era. So, like, the next couple films are probably some of my favorites, being Rodan, Mothra, King Kong vs. Godzilla, Godzilla, and then uh, Mothra vs. Godzilla are, like, four of my favorite, hands down. So, I will I will say it is it is uh, 
smooth sailing for a bit, but for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But no, you're not wrong. I mean, you're, we're going to see that too, is you go from Godzilla being this evil force that can't be stopped. And then eventually Godzilla becomes an answer to a greater threat. Right. Right. And then he ends up becoming the friend of humanity. Right. Right. And then you get the Heisei, the Heisei era that completely reboots that and Godzilla ends up being bad again. And then you do the Millennium era and it's kind of back and forth. And it's just like, it, it's this weird, like there's not necessarily a consistent view, even within Ishiro Honda's films. Like, I mean, he had a few films where Godzilla is more of a ally than not. So it's, it's not a, I'm trying to think of the right word. Like, it's not just like a completely like, this is it. There's definitely room for interpretation, which is good. I think that's healthy, right? I mean, it it makes sure that the films can be relevant and can thrive. And I think ultimately, as long as the, the spirit of the original is there, that's when I feel like it's a good film. But when it's just so entirely different where you're just like, man, like this feels... I don't know. Like it's, it's hard to explain, but again, I feel like as we go on, you'll, you'll notice some of those differences and I won't have to point them out. Sure. Just kind of like how this one, you know, you didn't, I didn't have to tell you about it and you're already like, Oh, this is weird. Um, yeah. I, so I guess, I guess what I'm like thinking kind of before you transition uh, mm-hmm. is like this movie does kind of signal a transition to like, how do we utilize nature and, Sometimes that's a mountain and sometimes that's utilizing Godzilla, but that's still a better option to me than using nuclear warfare or nuclear adjacent warfare. Yeah. So well, say what we will about its militarization, but there's still some things to like about this shift. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I mean, again, that's, I think if I would have recorded this episode, six months ago or again, no, really almost a year ago, I would have been a lot more critical. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's even looking back on my blog, like I spent more time discussing what I got from the film, which is good. That was the point, right? I didn't want to review it. Um, but I definitely didn't like it last time. And this time around, I'm like, okay, like I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I don't hate it because you know, I kept thinking about, again, like this film, it it really, to a certain degree, is dealing with the aftermath of World War Mm -hmm. II, right? You know, we're we're looking at this fact that like, no matter how hard we try to get rid of these monsters, they never go away. Mm -hmm. You know, we could even trap them in ice, right? And we think we've won. And then seven years later, he breaks out of the ice and it looks even better than he did seven years ago, which I think someone should capitalize on that. You know, like this iceberg uh, facelift treatment. Oh yeah. The Titanic when it comes back is going to be beautiful. Man too soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's, but that's, that's where I see in this film is like, there's, there's a sense of it's, it's not just hopelessness, but it's like, this this monster that we're facing like we're we're finding any way that we can to try to solve the problem now even if it means that we'll have to deal with it later right but Mm -hmm. as christians we know that that's not how evil is really dealt with right like we know that 
you know, even though we see sin and death in this world, it has been definitively dealt with. We just haven't seen the end. Like, you know, obviously God being outside of space and time, um, which I guess some people would even argue against that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. You know, like sin and death and all these things have already been defeated. And we believe, you know, that God will bring every deed into judgment, you know, every secret thing, whether good or evil. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, we have to have hope that this evil will truly be defeated, even if all we can do right now is trap it in a huge pile of ice and pray, you know, that something greater than ourselves will keep it in there. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point, because I think that that is a lot of where we feel like we sit. Is sometimes all we can do is rein it in. And sometimes mm-hmm. all we can do is, like I'm thinking of sometimes with charity, when you're not totally, you're not upending the system, you're not, like for people who are starving or stuck in poverty, giving charity doesn't totally break the cycle. In fact, you're kind of even playing into it. Those princes, oh, those principalities and powers that Paul talks about in Ephesians, right? Like, these mm-hmm. oppressive systems. Sometimes we do what we can, but we're still within the system. So we're like trying to yeah. obey evil, even though we're still kind of, it's, I mean, ending, ending human poverty right now under systems as they currently are, isn't going to be helped by me throwing 20 bucks at a certain charity. It's going to take quite a bit more, but it doesn't mean don't do that. Don't, I shouldn't give, I shouldn't not give $20 just because it won't end poverty. They shouldn't have not buried Godzilla just because it wouldn't kill him. Yeah. Well, but even I give 20 bucks, you give 20 bucks, people give 20 bucks. It adds up, you know, it's definitely not, you know, so that's something to keep in mind. And yeah, it's, it's not always necessarily what's happening right now. It's knowing that, what we do now impacts our future, right? So it's getting away from this view of Christianity that's so focused on the 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 later that you know it, it's 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 got to be a both end, yeah. you know. Okay. So like yeah. we invest we invest in our present to help our future, but we also know that it's not just the future. What happens now is just as important, you know. So yeah, and there might even be something to say like you had mentioned earlier that there's no moral ethical question about what we're doing to Godzilla today but maybe it is kind of the the secret maybe the secretly ethical decision was to not kill him just to bury him like I think people from the last film would be thrilled to learn he wasn't killed he was just stopped I don't know that's kind of going back maybe a little disjointed from what we were just saying but yeah, no, it's definitely something to keep in mind as we keep watching these films and we're watching the way that society changes and evolves and how they view Godzilla um, and even how we do too. Yeah. Um, I will say one last thing too. Did you notice how uh, how uh, um, Hidemi, uh, Hidemi? I don't I don't know if I pronounced that right, but the main the main lead actress how she was not happy about the, the party there at the no. end. Like, Oh, it's, it was interesting. Just like the, the, uh, the approach they took and how women were spoken mm-hmm. to. And just the fact that like, 
you know, just making comments about wives being controlling and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I don't know. It was, it was really interesting. Like for me, obviously it went past progressive standards now, but even like having a woman be visibly upset and not just sit there and submit entirely. Yeah. Like I can get behind that. Right. It was just a weird little aside. I had notes on it and I'm like, uh, I don't know where to insert this organically. <laughs> so here we are. Funny. So, uh, okay. So overall verdict. I mean, I don't know if we need to necessarily score it, but where do you stand? I think what I'll probably end up with, I, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to say that I like sat there and it's like, Oh my God, this was so different. I hated it. Um, there are some mm-hmm. noticeable flaws. I think it'll probably end up being pretty low on my list, not because it's bad, just because I'm expecting that a lot will be easily better. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, am I bummed yeah. that I watched it? No. Did I have Did I have enough fun to get me through the 80 minute runtime? Oh yeah. And I think sometimes that's all that matters. It'd be yep. one thing if I was like watching, planning on watching them all five times. Like every time I watch the series, I'd restart. I'd get pretty tired of this one, but knowing that I might not watch this one again soon helps me enjoy it a little better. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not a bad film, but in light of the other offerings, it's uh, yeah. it's not great. So, um. So what we're going to do in now is we're just going to answer a couple questions. So moving forward, if you have questions about the next film, so we're going to be watching Rodan next. If you've got any questions that you would like us to answer, go ahead and shoot them via uh, Instagram or I am now on, well, we uh, are now on Twitter, um, Kaiju Apostle Pod. I will absolutely regret getting on that cesspool of a website, but you know, coverage and got to be out there. Uh, so yeah, just hit us up there. Um, would love to answer any questions. It doesn't even necessarily have to be related to the film. Um, but obviously that'd be preferable because then we're not just talking about beanie babies or something, uh, but Godzilla beanie babies, I, maybe there are. And I actually would love to have them for Jasper, <laughs> but that's besides the point. So, the King Ghidorah one's actually pretty King cool. King Ghidorah. But anyway, yeah. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. I'm, I'm stalling. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> man, you, those, you, you walked right into that. I did. I think I kind of asked for it. Yeah. So we have two questions here. Um someone kind of misunderstood my question is like do you have any like unused concept art for the film i'm like i'm sorry man i can't post pictures on a podcast he's like oh my bad um simple mistake but so the first question from these are both from instagram so i've got predator slayer he was saying favorite non-japanese eastern monster movie so the way he clarified that would be a film like the host Right, that's a Korean the film. Stephanie Meyer. Um, oh, no, not the uh, Stephanie Meyer film. That's I actually have never seen that. Um, no. But yeah, so he's like favorite monster movie from Eastern Asia besides Japan. So the host, Pulgasari, etc. 
Um, which I don't know if you would really even be able to answer that. Um, wow. Wait, you said not Japan? Yeah, so it has to be uh, somewhere in Asia, but not Japan. Shoot. I mean, I was going to say, like, Dragon Ball, but that's... That's not a monster film. What? That's not a monster movie. There's monsters in it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm already grasping for straws, and then you take Japan away from me. Yeah, but actually, King Ghidorah is in an episode of Dragon Ball at one of the uh, the Budokai tournaments. Oh, that's hilarious. kind of interesting. Yeah, little little cameo. He's in the crowd. Um, yeah. And honestly, I had to ask him just to make sure I understood that right. So when he mentioned the host, I'm like, well, crap, because that's actually a really good film. That would be the one that I chose because um, I don't have a lot of exposure to non-Japanese uh, kaiju films. But the host is great. Um, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, if you've seen Snowpiercer or Okja, it is the same director there. Um, I am going to uh, draw a blank while I Google his name. And I'm sure I will butcher that. Um, so the host, yeah, it came out in 2006, uh, Bong Joon-ho. Um, it's uh, got 93% Ron Tomatoes. And on Roger Ebert's site, it got a 3.5 out of 4, even though I'm not sure who actually reviewed it, because not everyone. Yeah, Jim Emerson, so obviously not Ebert. But it's a really good film. Uh, if you have not watched it, highly recommend it. Uh, rated R for creature violence and language. Oh. Um, and then a second question, other than slowing down the monster footage, what would you change about uh, Godzilla raids again? Hmm. Other than slowing down the foot, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe just kind of we already maybe suggested this, but just a conversation in the middle with someone who's familiar with the events and conversations of the first film saying like, Hey, we really didn't want to kill him. We really tried our best mm-hmm. to do otherwise. Like he's still an animal. Mm-hmm. Just something like that. Maybe just kind of a quick reminder that this is kind of an ethical dilemma. Might've been cool, but of course you can still have the character who said, yeah, but people are dying. He's stomping on people. It's like, well, yeah. shoot, man. I don't know. Let, go ahead and answer and see if I can think of something maybe a, a little bit different or better. Okay. Um. So part of me would have liked to see a bigger role for Takashi Shimura, um, just because like he seemed so despondent compared to the first film, which, I mean, kind of makes sense. But I felt like you're talking about the ethical conversation. It really could have came from him where it's like, Hey, we have a second chance to study Godzilla. Like let's not waste it. Right. Right. I mean, people are still suffering from radioactive poisoning. Like what could we be doing here? And they, they don't get into that at all, which is unfortunate. Um, But I don't know if I would necessarily change that. I would have liked to see that, but I don't know if that's necessarily a flaw. Um, But Definitely the suit. The suit is the ugliest Godzilla suit in the entire franchise, hands down. 98 film knocks this one out of the park, right? I mean, it's really just the angle. It's the angle. I mean, if you go on and you search for Godzilla Raids again on Google and you go to Google Images, 
any side profile shot is serviceable. It really is. And then you get the front on face and it looks like a straight up demon and not even like the most attractive demon. Like this would be like the third demon you would ask to homecoming. Right. If the first two said no. Very familiar with that concept. Yeah. Most people are, but (laughs) yeah. So like the side profile is fine, whatever. And then you just, you get this, this front facing one, which I'm definitely going to use on our cover um, oh. on the website and everything else. Cause it's just like what, and even like, so in X plus figures, they have what's called deforials, which are like these tiny little statues that are deformed, but they're cool. Mm-hmm. And even the deforial looks better than the actual suit. Right. And it's even like, it's caricaturized and it looks better than the actual suit. So that would be the thing I change is figuring out how did you guys get it looking good from the side and then up front? It's just, it's absolutely atrocious. So there's your answer. Yeah. I, I'm going to probably speak a little heresy. So I'm kindling my own fire for the steak, but if they remade this movie with good looking CG, like King of the Monsters CG, it would probably bump it up a couple of notches in my opinion just because it wouldn't be so quite distracting and see i would disagree with you there just because i i am i'm so over these cgi fests like i can't wait for you to watch some of these 2000s films like uh gmk i think is the best example of like what soupmation can look like with cgi like to complement okay. it but yeah i i agree i think there's there's a charm to the suits. This one just loses some of the charm. Yeah, that charm can really only go like so far. Yeah. The other films do a really good job at it, but this one's just like I love the Angerus suit immensely. Yeah. Like there's like he's 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 my boy. But yeah, it's just uh it's it's different. Yeah, maybe different. maybe since he brought him up. Maybe if there's something that I would change, might just be him, just in terms of um, not him himself, but some of his backstory, mm-hmm. just how they explained mm-hmm. him, like how they're so nonchalant, like oh yeah, they're giant ankylosaurus horses everywhere. And it's like it's the year of our Lord, nineteen forty something. No, there are not. <laughs> fifty-five. Yeah, nineteen fifty-five. That's what I said. <laughs> Who said that? Like I, I don't know. It seems like that would be kind of a cool little. And I know it would just be lore. It wouldn't really do much for the movie, but it'd be kind of cool to mm-hmm. just say like, so Godzilla is a nuclear byproduct and Gyrus is just a big lizard. Yeah. And on that note, I think we're good. We actually are about an hour right now. So, we were even talking about how, like, uh, we don't know if we can even get to that. So, again, Chris, I appreciate you joining me here. Um, now that we've got the bumpers underway, I don't have to really do an outro, which is nice. Um, but what I will say is make sure if you do like this, now here we're getting to the sales pitch. Please make sure share it wherever you can, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh myspace might be coming back eventually right so uh, if you could share on there that would be awesome because here's the thing like we're not making any money off of this 
we're actually paying 20 bucks a month to record this online. Um, so like this isn't for money. It's just, we would love to be able to have this be shared with as many people as possible. We're not quitting our day jobs for this. We don't have a Patreon page, nothing like that. Right. So we legitimately are in your hands for uh, any publicity. Well, and a lot of that too, like we don't really care as much for the clicks. If one person who's not our moms listen to this and they, you genuinely enjoy it. You genuinely have fun. You genuinely think I want to follow these guys on Twitter, have a beer with them, talk Godzilla, maybe with David. Um, that's all we're really looking for. We want your questions, not just yeah. so we can have content, even though it helps, but have your questions to be like, this is something that I'm thinking about, about Godzilla. Why don't you guys think about this with me? Cause that's what, that's what I mean. That's part of what yeah. we want to do. It's we want to be having the conversations we're all having. Exactly. And my mom is the one who introduced me to Godzilla. So it's not a bad thing that she's listening. I hope you actually are. I'm kind of concerned that you're not. So when you, when you listen to this part, mom, text me. So I know you're listening. <laughs> and if I don't, if I don't get a text in the next few weeks, I'm, I'm going to be a little pissed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Chris is right. I mean, we're doing this because we actually want to have conversations with people, right? Like that's been the feedback I've gotten so far as like, Hey, thanks for actually inviting people to think differently and to think deeper about the film without being polarizing. And that's, I, I really am trying, you know, personally, I can only speak for myself. I'm trying my best to be a part of the fandom where, you know, I can challenge people to think differently, but I'm also not being like a flaming douchebag um, while I do it. I like to think that I unbesmirched by opinions and unbesmirched by other people, period. <laughs> any polarization is an accident. So if I've pushed any of your buttons and I will mm -hmm. push your buttons, at least know it's out of naivete rather than trying to be a flaming douchebag. Malicious. Yeah. So. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Like we said, if you can share it, subscribe on YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts, stuff like that. And, uh, we will be diving into Rodan here shortly, which again, very, very excited for that one. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Apostle podcast. You can tune in to future episodes on most major podcast distributors, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. For more information, including music credits, please visit our website at www.thekaijuapostle.com or at instagram.com slash the.kaiju.apostle. We appreciate your support and hope to hear from you soon.